So let's redefine the word courage to micro courage. These are acts, small acts, that when you put them together, oh my, you are a courageous person. Encourages in the eye of the beholder. Welcome to the Seismic Shift Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a treat for you. I want to introduce you to C.B. Bowman. Let me tell you, her bio is quite impressive. One of the things we're going to be talking about today is her upcoming book, Courage to Leap and Lead. And that is going to be the topic is how to be a courageous leader, what that looks like. And then we're going to weave that into how do you have a culture of connection and really make sure that your leaders know how to be courageous in order to drive innovation and financial performance? So let me share with you what a rock star C.B. Bowman is. I mean, listen to this. Named one of the power list of the top 200 biggest voices in leadership in 2023 and 2022. Top 10 thought leaders in leadership. Top 25 thought leaders in management. One of the top 10 thought leaders in diversity and inclusion. It goes on and on. And I'm happy to say that CB and I are in Marshall Goldsmith Top 100 Coaches Group, and she is absolutely delightful. Welcome, CB Bowman. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And the check is in the mail. for that. I tell you what, we are so excited that you get to share what you've learned and how to elevate those who are listening on the Seismic Shift podcast today. So my first question to you, considering this is the Seismic Shift podcast, is tell me about some of the seismic shifts that you've been observing. So in my world and in my head, we are currently experiencing seven pandemics that are causing a shift. And then we name them. First, we have COVID. And a lot of people like to say, oh, it's all done with, not so fast. It's coming back. Two, social injustice, not done with, never will be. Economics, climate change, mental health. Now we're adding two new ones, war. And the next one is workforce attitude. Those are my two new ones. So talk about a seismic shift. We're dealing with a whole lot of stuff. Gosh, we really, really are. And and it's a little daunting for sure. And it's daunting. I'm sure you're having conversations every day as I am about, you know, leaders and organizations. What do we say? Do we say anything at all? Will, will you know, donors withdraw money? I mean, we just saw the, the recent headlines with, um, Harvard, you know, the former Victoria's Secret CEO took away his funding at Harvard regarding what's happening with the war in Israel. And 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 yeah, there's just a lot of unrest, a lot of uncertainty, and that causes a lot of anxiety at work. And so it, it's tough to be a leader right now. So what seismic shift would you say prompted you to write your new book, Courage to Leap and Lead? So first of all, I just want to say with regard to leaders, not just, they just truly don't know how to move right now. We've got this cancel culture, God save us. Anything that's said that somebody doesn't like, you're cut and delete. And that is just so 
high risk for learning and creating. So people are afraid to speak. And then at the same time, we're telling leaders to be more authentic, be them true, be their true selves. Now, how do you do that if you're afraid to say anything? You, you can't even ask why an employee is out sick. You can't ask how are they doing. It could be in your nature to feel empathy for that employee, but you can't go there. The law says, uh, uh, uh. so leaders by nature, by society, by law are so confused and it's causing heck in an organization. Gosh, you are so right, CB. You know, one of the things you said about authenticity, that is a, it's a tough, tough concept for leaders to embrace. And Marshall, when I had Marshall on my podcast last season, we we had an interesting debate about this because a lot of my work and my book, The Seismic Shift in Leadership, was leaders needed to own, leaders need to own their stories and to be able to show up authentic. And he said, no, 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 no. If, if leaders show up authentically, kind of what, what you're saying, CB, they're going to get canceled. You know, you can't show it. So so I look at authenticity is more the work you have to do yourself inwardly is really getting to know yourself and your strengths and your blind spots and what your values are and what your North Star is and really owning where you're from, your childhood, your background and being proud and proud of the growth. And then once you do all of that inner work, then you can show up authentically. But we're not saying to show up and just say whatever's on your mind, because you're absolutely right. In this cancel culture, in this culture we're in right now, that's a little bit too high risk. Yeah, and the, the fact is we can do all that internal work and you have to applaud anybody that's doing that internal work. But you have to be so careful about what you let out and you have to be careful about who you're letting it out to, the environment that you're in. You know, they say that leaders should have a group of people a cohort of people that they can trust to give them honest feedback. But the realization is, who can you really trust in this day and age? It's probably minus zero. And that seems to be what most of the leaders I'm coaching right now, they're trying to figure out is how do you build trust with your with your leadership team because you got to have that psychological safety you got to have trust you have to have real connection in order to drive the results that you want so how do you get that trust cb so my thinking is that you've got to trust your employees let them know that you trust them first and then parcel out what you're going to trust giving out back to employees, really be careful, evaluate. You know, I would do my research. And this is what I advise clients, do your, re- go on LinkedIn, go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on TikTok, see what's going on. And as my mom always said to me, if somebody reveals something about someone else, that's it, there's no trust because that's a sign, right? 
So be smart. Trust, but be smart. Give trust back, be smart. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And one of the things you you just said, which is which is something that I'm just now realizing when when I'm trying to figure out how to how to coach leaders and organizations of how to build a culture of connection, what that looks like. And you said something about leaders in in cohorts. And Morag Barrett, who's a part of our um, 100 coaches, she and I um, are launching a leadership development program for all, for eight companies under the owner of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Her name is Gail Benson, amazing leader. She has eight companies. So we're doing this leadership development program for all of the high-performing leaders and all across the eight countries. Companies. Why am I telling you this? Because I had this big eureka, CB. I realized that, wait a second, for leaders to have this opportunity to have a cohort and to go through this growth and this learning about themselves and about their team and about their organization and their brands together, now that's connection. And that's when we can develop that courageous leadership to drive the results. And then I realized there aren't that many companies that I know of that really do say, you know what, we're going to put all all of our high-performing leaders together in a cohort so that they can build a community of trust. I think we're on to something. I think that's key. I do. You know, you asked me what my interpretation of of a culture of connection is. And for me, it's two things, only two things, empathy, because look, Michelle, if somebody reveals something confidential to you and you don't feel it inside, you don't have that empathy. So therefore, what's the key for you to keep it inside? Think about it. If you don't feel that connection, and that loyalty and, and wanting to have their back. If you just don't feel, you're right. You're right. If you don't feel that connection. You have no obligation. And the second thing is you must feel like one together. That's a big one. Feeling like one, it's like a soldier. You're marching through together. My favorite show on TV is Special Forces. Man, that's a killer. I've never watched it, but you're so right. If you're all rowing in the same direction, you're all moving together. You feel like you you know what your purpose is. You're greater together. Then you'll have each other's backs. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. So this sort of forced situation where you're sort of put in a group and you say, you must have a cohort, you must be one. Well, that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen over a year. You are absolutely right. So let's talk about how we can embed courage. And you call it micro courage, little bursts of courage, right? To drive innovation. How do we embed courage into organizations today? First is starting with self. When I wrote the book, I said, everybody's telling you to be courageous, but no one's telling you how. 
you read this person, you read that person, and it's all about the courage, right? So I took that apart and I said, all right, people have told me that I've been courageous all my life and all my life I've denied it, imposter syndrome. And then I said, okay, so stop denying it. Let's, let's look at why people are saying this to you. What have you done over the years that demonstrated it? I'm going back. And then I realized, yeah, okay, you've been courageous, but how did you do it? Let's take this apart. So I took it apart and I had seven steps and don't ask me to name them because I'll reveal the book. Um, and I said, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you look at failure. This is how you look at courage. One of the things that struck me, which I will reveal, is that we don't have the courage to accept how courageous we've been in our own lives. Because we look at courage as this big thing in the room. We're running in to save a child in a burning building. We're jumping in a pool to save a dog and we don't know how to swim. That's courage. So I said, all right, then what is it that I do when I get out of bed with a migraine and I have to be at that meeting and I go and I run a masterful meeting? What is it that I do when I figure out I'm going into that sick ward and I'm gonna help those people and I'm gonna come back out and I'm gonna have a smile on my face. What is it that I do when I ask somebody who's visually impaired, can I help them cross the street? And my ego is at play, or I could be hit by a car, or they could be hit by a car. That's courage. So let's redefine the word courage to micro-courage. These are acts, small acts, that when you put them together, oh my, you are a courageous person. And courage is in the eye of the beholder. What's courage to me is not the same as a drug addict who gets off drugs. That's courage. I love it. I'm, I'm thinking about all the ways that, that I can weave in your language of micro courage and self courage and the courage just to show up authentically, the courage to speak your mind, the courage to say, to ask a question, even if you're scared um, of how it would be perceived in the, in the upcoming workshops and the upcoming speeches I'm about to deliver, I'm going to weave in your language. You're absolutely right. It is Connection is about having the courage to show up, right? I had a situation, I'll tell you. I was in a meeting. It was my meeting. And somebody went off the wire. Really hurt me, really upset me. And I love this person. And I thought, I have two choices. Confront or run. That's it. Neither are bad, but I had to make a decision. And my decision was, I started the conversation. I said, when people upset me, I have two choices in my head. Cut and delete them or have a conversation. I said to the person, so let's have a conversation. You know, you just, it made me realize as I'm listening to you, CB, that, that just even connection takes courage in this day and age that we're in. 
when like you opened up saying all these seismic shifts, we're we're scared. We're scared to really say what we feel. We're scared to to show our true selves. We're scared we're going to get canceled. So even just leaning in to have a conversation and try to make a connection takes courage. I saw um, and I posted on LinkedIn yesterday or on uh, Sunday, great episode on David Brooks, and he has a new book out and he's a New York Times journalist and um and his book is actually on on what I research is is that we are in an epidemic and and the one skill the one commonality of healthy families healthy communities healthy organizations healthy countries is the ability to show someone that you see them you hear them you understand them it's 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 leaning in and trying to find the connection and I love he used two words two titles you get to choose. Do you want to be an illuminator or a diminisher? An illuminator is somebody who leans in and tries to find common ground. I see you. You're so cool, CB. You're so like, I it, like, you know, finding what we have in common, asking questions about you and your fabulous husband, you know, and your research and your book. And, and, and so that, you know, that I, I see you, I hear you, I get you, I respect you. I appreciate you. And, and, and that's a choice. And that, that takes courage to be an illuminator because all of a sudden you're making it about somebody else. Whereas a diminisher, probably out of fear is you end up making somebody feel invisible. You don't even try. You don't ask questions. You don't show curiosity. You don't find common ground. You label, you stereotype. And so somebody who's on the other side of the conversation with an illuminator feels buoyant and and lit up after a conversation, but on the other side of a diminisher feels deflated. So my call to action is, hey, people, let's be illuminators. And it takes courage. So in South Africa, there's an expression, Ambutu. Ambutu means I see you. Not your hair color, not your skin color, not your clothing. I see you. I love that. All of you. It's kind of like a true acknowledgement. I see your being, your energy. I see all of you. And we don't have words for that. Really, we don't. No, it's a sad part of the English language. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the same things. And I just didn't even realize you're right. If you if you really deconstruct courage and you, you bring it down to the granular level of micro courage, we're really asking our leaders to ask their people every time they lead a team meeting to have the courage to connect, have the courage to reveal because you and I both know that in, in, in also listening to your talk, I was thinking, God, so many people are just inundated with Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. And, and yet to be a really effective leader right now, you have to be intentional about your meetings and really think ahead and how can I connect them and let me ask a personal question to kind of go deeper, to build trust and to engage everybody. And, and that takes real time. And I wish that, that, that they could have the space every day, right. To say, I'm only going to have one meeting a day. That's a team meeting. And I'm going to make it so powerful, so courageous, so safe so that people really show up and can be seen, heard, acknowledged and create this, this safety and this trust together. If they just had one meeting a day, leaders could do it, but instead they're back to back to back, which is hard. 
And the other thing is we, <laughs> we've got on this trend about how bad Zoom meetings are, when in fact, Zoom meetings are actually equal to an in-person meeting because I can now see you. I can see what you have on your wall. I could see what you're wearing. I can focus on you. I could see your jewelry. I can then be part of your life by looking at your surroundings. That is so true. So just by zooming in from my studio on my second floor in my house, Uptown New Orleans, you know so much more about me than if we were just showing up in a sterile conference room. That's right. And I'm looking at you and I see a military hat. I see Garden Grow. I see I see all of these books that represent you. You are so right. So let me ask you this, though. Then so then we need to ask people, OK, so take that opportunity when you're on Zoom and, and again and, and notice somebody and ask questions about their background. Tell me about that piece of art or tell me about that book or I love the book I'm looking at. I am not bossy. Guess what, CB? Yeah, you are. <laughs> that was given to me by Carla. And it says, I had to bring it forward so you could see <laughs> This is when we first started working together. <laughs> I am not bossy. I am the boss. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So keep going. So tell me more about courage. So you don't want to give away the book, obviously, because it's coming out in 2024 and we want everybody just to grab it. And, and But you're making it easier for people to be courageous. Yes. I'm making it easier for people to turn failure, not inward, as woe is me, or I can't do this, but taking failure and realizing it, it's a university. It's the price you pay for learning in life. So I wrote this book because as a black woman in corporate America, I kept trying. Mm -hmm. I kept failing in the eyes of my white colleagues. My psychic was crushed. But each time, each time, listeners, I came back stronger, fighting, kicking butt. And this book tells you how to do the same thing. God, that's beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. And you are strong and you're so successful. And people need to see that and, and your honesty and saying this wasn't easy. And there were times where I fell down again and again and again, and it was demoralizing and it affected my psyche. But look, you keep bouncing back. And that's what resilience is, right? Keep keep forging ahead and, and you'll get stronger every time. And that's what a part of owning your story is. You know, so many people want to hide, hide any of the stumbles they've had. But if you own them and say, hey, that's a part of my journey. And thank goodness I grew and I'm better as a result. Those are the leaders that get promoted. Well, you can only grow if you own it. Yes, yes, and yes. And it's taken a while. I have my MBA students the very first week of class to own their stories and share. So they don't even know anybody in class yet. And so talk about a vulnerable moment. And, and I'll never forget this, this one, one kid from Honduras. And he was probably only about 24 years old and came here and 
and and to Loyola University. And, and he said, I'm from a very poor village in Honduras. He goes, that's not uncommon. He goes, I'm very from a very poor family. That's not uncommon. He goes, but my story is that in high school, my granddad died. So my grandmom moved in with us. That's not uncommon. But I had to share a bedroom with her in high school. And he said, I was so mortified and so embarrassed. I told nobody. He said, but she just died recently. And I look back and I wouldn't trade those years for anything. And I'm going to own that part of my story because it made me who I am and it made me a better person. And CB, I will never forget that night because everybody in class, and we talked about it afterwards, you could see him in saying it out loud, his shoulders, his height, like he was just, he felt so much like on one hand, Oh, weight had been lifted from him. But on the other hand, he stood taller. And then when we talked about it, the students were like, I want him on my team. I trust him. So I think just owning your story. What we were saying about corporate American leaders. Building trust. Absolutely. So this is all a part of just having the courage to leap and to lead and, and about failure and, and, and just only one of the, the executives that I coach Pete November, and he's the CEO of Auctioner Health. And he got up on stage in front of thousands and he said, here's my call to action. He goes, you need to ask those tough questions. We need to figure out what's not working and how to make it better and continuous improvement. And the only way we're going to do that is to be okay with failure. And I want to tell you about my $25 million mistake I made at Auctioner. And I can't believe I'm up here, but I'm still up here and I'm about to be your CEO. He said, I'm not telling you to make a $25 million mistake, but I'm saying we have to have a culture where we reward that risk-taking and we have to know that sometimes it's not going to work and it's okay. That was bold and we need more of that. We need more of leaders to stand up and have the courage to talk about failure and stumbles. Yeah, and mean it. And mean it. That's exactly, I mean, that was a costly mistake, but he got up and, and he owned it. So, so if you could wave a magic wand and, and you're working with an organization that's brand new and they said, okay, CB, we want our leaders to be courageous and we want a culture of connection in order to drive innovation. We want leaders to, to, to fail, to take risks, to innovate. How would you tell them to do that? Start. Just start. You know, we as a culture, we make things so damn complicated. We've got to put 20 million words on it. We've got to paint it. We've got to polish it. We've got to, come on, start. And let's go. Tell me about a leader that you've worked with who really got it and you saw him or her develop courage and it helped them kind of propel to the next level. During one of the social justice situations. A leader came to me and said, I was told that I can't speak because I'm a privileged white man. And I said, and? And he said, I don't know what that means. That took a lot of courage. I was with a group of leaders during another, we've had so many social injustice situations. And they said, CB, we really feel bad. We feel sad of what's happening to you. And I said, let's start from the beginning. First, you don't know what's happening to me. 
two. Let's take a pair of glasses. If you scratch them, you start wearing them again. Eventually, you don't see the scratch. If you drop them on concrete, your glasses shatter. You will see the shatter. So social injustice, what's happening due to media now, is like dropping your glasses on concrete. It's not a question of feeling sorry. It's a question of having the courage to do something. Another situation, product failure. I was very upset. I told the team, we can't have this. Really? How did the team feel? Well, I don't know. They felt bad and they're working to prevent it. What did you learn due to the failure? Well, we learned that we had to change machinery. We needed to change ingredients. So if somebody came to you and said you needed to change your ingredients, what would you have said? No, why should we? Did you thank your team for figuring that out while you were in test market, before you went wide scale? No, it was a failure. Was it really a failure? No, we learned. So failure is the best university. And as you said, failure is the best university. You know, I was at a ribbon cutting this morning for our entrepreneurship center, just got named by uh, Bobby Savoie. And he's an alum and, um, and he's a, a serial entrepreneur. And it was so cool, CB, because in his speech, he talked about, and we were surrounded by the, the, the launch room of whiteboards and markers and brainstorming and lots of caffeine and up all nights. And, 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 and it was cool because he shared his story and he said, you know, I just need you all to know that, that my career hasn't always been this, this, this steady line of the upward trajectory. Like you all think it, it was like, there were a lot of ups and downs and a lot of downs. And I lost a lot of money, but I'm so grateful to be here with you today because I kept getting back up and trying again and again and again. And he said, and so now I get to, now I'm, you know, I get to spend my life, you know, giving back and, and sharing the wealth that I created with others like Loyola. It was this beautiful moment of him really sharing so that our students know that it's not always going to be easy and you're not always going to win and you're not always going to succeed, but we've got you. You know, I think to get together, you're better together. We all rise together. We lift each other up. And that's why, again, connection is so important and having tribes and being seen and heard um, we have to be able to do this together. When I left that ribbon cutting this morning, I, I realized CB, how much I miss people, you yeah. know, so much of my work is online, virtual, you know, I teach an MBA class online. So much of my coaching is online and just to show up and be around the energy of entrepreneurs and all trying to make a difference in the world. It's just exciting. We need each other. We need each other. Because we sit in our own cocoon, and we fret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Making this perfect. Gosh, you what are so right. Oh, God, what would somebody else have done? And then you come out of your cocoon, and you talk about how you experienced yourself as not succeeding. And somebody else said, same thing happened to me. Really? What did you do? Well, I did this, and I did that. 
oh, you know what? I did that too. Well, then you succeeded. Uh, it's that simple. You're so right. Were you on the 100 coaches call on Monday? No. It was Bill Carrier facilitated it. Marshall Goldsmith, um, our leader, is traveling. And so he said, you know, we have so many members on this call today who haven't connected yet. Our goal, our mission is to learn and to connect. And so let's spend time in breakout groups, sharing each other's story, finding commonality. And it was a beautiful 59 minutes spent together, getting to know each other on a deeper level. And I think that's what we need to have the courage to do in organizations. And so my advice to listeners right now, I'm going to ask you to share, to end it with your advice. My advice to our listeners right now is create cross-functional teams on Zoom, do it virtually, bring people together, have them share their stories with each other, have them find commonality. That's how you build a culture of connection to drive results, right? We just can't be operating in silos. And if we don't get the opportunity to see each other face-to-face as much as we would like to, we as leaders and anyone who's listening has to be really intentional with how you create connection. And you have to embed time for people to share their stories. So what's one piece of advice that you would give our listeners? Stand up, speak out. Stand up and speak out. You heard it from the expert herself, C.B. Bowman. Thank you so much for being with us today. She is truly a symbol of courage. Her book is chock full of examples, of, of personal examples. She's an amazing coach of examples of people that she's coached of how to have the courage to leap and to lead so that you can drive innovation in your life personally and professionally. Thank you so much, CB, for being on the, the Seismic Shift podcast. for joining us on the seismic shift and before you go can i ask one favor of you do you mind sharing today's episode with a leader you know the power of this conversation is found in your using it and sharing it to create real connection in your life lastly i'd like to thank loyola university new orleans and the terra firma audio team for helping bring this content to life